Hello, hello. Welcome to the Kinks and Beatles Daily Deep Dive. I'm your host, Tony Fry. This is episode 240. We are talking today about Australia by the Kinks. Before we do, though, I want to remind everyone we have a bonus episode coming out March 26th. Um, you can join me live at 11.45 a.m. Pacific time. And we're going to look at the album covers for the Kinks, the Beatles, and the solo careers. And we're not going to look at all of them because that would be like a five-hour episode. But we're going to rank them. Best ones, worst ones, most effective, least effective. There's, we'll have a few different categories. Um, so if you'd like to join me on that one, it is a premium uh, episode for now. So if you'd like to do it on the 26th, um, you have to be a contributor via the Hero Habit com slash shop page and if you've already contributed in the past you're going to get an email closer to the 26th explaining how you can access it and if you can't make it that day but you still want to view it um, it will be behind that paywall for two months and anybody that is contributing um, will also be able to watch the archive and then after that two months it will be public on our youtube channel which i hope you all subscribe to so that you can see these kinds of um uh, episodes as well as some of the other content we're doing for Hero Habit, um, like the History of Trading Cards series that uh, I add to every single day, and things like that. So subscribe to the YouTube channel, and um, if you're interested in contributing to this podcast to help keep the lights on, you can do that at herohabit.com/shop. So on to Australia by the Kinks which was released October 10th, 1969 on the album Arthur or the Decline and Fall of the British Empire, and the song closes out the first side of that LP. It was also released as a single in Australia, fittingly, uh, sometime in December 1969, but it didn't do anything in the charts. Um, the song was edited down to just over two minutes, which is a huge edit when you look at the actual running time of this song. And it's not believed that it was a remix, but it was uh, at the very least, re-EQ'd, um, which made the piano a more prominent sound in the mix. Um, and the edit wasn't very well done. So it's not a surprise that it was uh, a chart flop in Australia, but it does make sense why they would attempt it, since it is the country of the song's name. Excuse me, I got a little itch in my throat. Um, the lyrics of the song are spoken... From the point of view of Arthur's son in this song. And he's trying to convince his dad to move to Australia by laying out all of the wonderful things about this country. Whether they are true or not, or wonderful or not. You know, there's lines like, um, no drug addiction. Okay, that's a tough, uh, tough claim to make. But, you know... He's putting out the best picture that he can of this country he wants to move to. This isn't my favorite track on the album. It probably places in the middle for me. Um, but it may be one of their most brilliant arrangements ever. Because there's something about the, the, the melody, the backing vocals, the groove of the song. Uh, that all When they all come together, it makes me feel like this song is literally a travel board commercial. Right? It's... If if the Australian Tourism Committee uh, were to make a song advertising their country in 1969, I can't imagine it would sound much different than this. Um, so considering the lyrical content of the song, it's pretty genius that the, that the way they've arranged it and written it evokes that immediate image in the listener's ear. 
The recording of this song um, was primarily done in May 1969 and features one of the final times Dave would play his Gibson Flying V guitar on a Kinks recording. Um, we don't know exactly which song was the final song, but he lists this as um, one of the few songs on the Arthur album that he plays it on. And of course, he doesn't play on it after that. So we're getting close to the end of the Flying V era. Uh, the song feels like it has a lot of sections to it, but it really doesn't. It's a deception in the way that Ray's composed it. There's an A section which starts from the intro and lasts all the way through to Will Surf. And then the Will Surf part is your B section. And that's it. After he goes um, back to the A section, um, about halfway through, the band shifts into a halftime real lazy... It's not swing, but it's almost swung. It's very lazy. Right? It's very uh, relaxed. And they replace Dave's affirmative words um, from the first verse into simple sha-la-la-la-la, which adds to the laziness. Um, But it's still the same form it's still the same chord progression so it's effective in breaking up the repetitiveness of the song without really changing anything uh, and then they return to the b section but bring the dynamics way down so there's two sections to this song and each time they get to that section they play it different than the last time they played it so it's just a basic a b a b and then four full minutes of jamming and this is the part that keeps this song sort of mid-tier in my book the Kinks were not known as a jam band, and that's not to say they weren't they, that they weren't good at it or that they were bad at it. I, they're capable musicians of of having these jam sessions, um, and a four minute jam over one chord is a bit much. Had there been some musical movement on the jam, I'd be all in. <clears throat> When a band is capable of holding my attention instrumentally, as the kinks are, I'm all for the occasional jam track, but this single chord vamp just seems to do them a disservice, especially when they do um, the jam band thing better on the very next song. Harmonically, I was convinced when I looked up the chords to this that I would pick up my guitar and discover nothing but mistakes, uh, which has been known to happen several times particularly with the Kinks transcriptions. Shockingly, though, that was not the case. Um, The A section of this song is pretty easy. It's 100% grounded in the key of C major. It's a 1-5-4-1 progression that then goes into a 2-5-1 for the Australia chorus. It doesn't get more basic than that. So you've got opportunities in all walks of life in Australia. So if you're young and if you're healthy, why not get on a boat and come to Australia? And then this is a two five one. Australia, the chance of a lifetime of two, five, one. That's it. All in the key of C. All. You know, diatonic chords, nothing borrowed from that. But then the B section arrives, and Ray centers it on a G-sharp major chord. 
Uh, and you can look at it as a G sharp or an A flat. Neither is going to make the analysis easier. Um, the reason I'm looking at it as a G sharp is because then I can say that it's like a, a sharp five chord. Whereas if I was looking at it as an A flat, I would have to say it's a flat six chord, but then I would also have to change the six to major because it's normally minor. So it just makes it easier. Um, there's fewer modifications if I say it's a sharp five, but you could analyze it either way. Doesn't make a difference. It's a weird jump. Um, great hook, but it comes totally out of nowhere harmonically, and that's fine. We've dealt with this before um, with Ray and, and the Beatles and all that. So we've shifted to G sharp major chord, except that he immediately follows it with a G, uh, C chord. Surf like they do in the USA. So he's gone right back to the one chord. And then it's a six chord, uh, A minor uh, to uh, G, which is the five. So it's a sharp five, one, six, and then regular five. Um, okay, so now he ends on the five chord. We've we've established he's end. So we're we're on the sharp five to the one to the six to the five. Now logically that would resolve to the one, right? But he doesn't. He goes back to that sharp five, but this time it's not really a sharp five because he is completely changing keys at this point um, so he's going up a half step that G sharp chord then he goes up a fifth to D sharp up a fifth to A sharp down a step to G sharp up a fifth blah 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 um, so that short little section basically shifts into D major and he plays out as four one five four one right so he's just doing a sunny Christmas day, Australia, Australia. So now he's getting this one chord in the key of D sharp major. But that's not where we're going to stay. We've got to go back to the A section. Um, but he's cadenced. He's resolved. He's on this chord he's letting it play out for a little bit um, but it's not done and he doesn't modulate back to C he just goes back to C you vamp on that chord flute and that's it we're back in there um, so we have like eight bars of this B section written in a different key, not even remotely close to the home key. And there's no modulation in or out of it. He just goes there and he leaves there. And somehow it works perfectly. And that's the part I was convinced would be a misinterpretation when I actually picked up the guitar and played it out and was shocked to discover that that's true. Um, I suppose if you analyze this in E flat instead of D sharp, you could make the argument that he's shifting to the relative major of the parallel minor. But we've talked about that not that long ago in a previous episode, um, and that's a stretch. He's going from no flats or sharps to three flats without so much as a pivot chord. 
simply sliding up a fret on the guitar. So it's all very cool, um, but it's not really connected to that original key. It's just a brand new shift. Uh, and what's interesting, too, is how that part sounds like he's taking it down in tone, too, right? We've got this... Nobody's got a chip on their shoulder, right? And then we get to that G sharp. And it sounds like he's shifting the tone entirely, but it's still a major key. So it, it changes everything um, in a cool way, but a very unorthodox way. The second time they play through that B section, they just stay on that D sharp chord, and that's the single chord that carries through the entire jam session. Worth pointing out, uh, at about the six minute mark, you can really hear the wobble board in the jam. And the wobble board was made famous by Australian musician Rolf Harris on his song, Tie Me, Tie Me Kangaroo Down Sport, which was released in 1960, where it was a top 10 hit in the UK. And then Harris would re-record the song a few years later, 1963, and that track was produced by George Martin, who we all know from the Beatles. And that version was a hit in America. And Harris invented this instrument, so to speak. Um, though it's, I, I mean, it's basically the same concept that Foley artists were using for decades um, to make the sound of thunder on the radio. And then even in Shakespearean times, this was a pretty known sound effect. But he just takes a piece of fiberboard um, and it's manipulated to make that wobbly noise. And so it's not really a prominent Australian instrument, like not in the way that the, the didgeridoo would be. So I'd wager that the sole reason that it is included on this track is as a, you know, a wink and a nod to this uh, Harris song. There was a hit just a few years earlier that I'm sure Ray and the gang were all aware of. And, and they were making that association to the Australian bit. But it's that's what it is. And you can hear it. Um, if you're listening on your headphones, it's panned pretty hard left. Um, and I'm sure it's there throughout most of, much of that jam session, but it really starts cutting through at the at the uh, six minute mark. And then I see here Tiny Moon just chimed in on the chat. Elvis Costello covered "Tie Me Kangaroo Down" on an episode of Frasier. That's true, and um, somebody else did a pretty prominent cover of it too. And Ralph Harris would again re-record this song in the early 2000s with the band The Woggles Wiggles. I don't know. I, I always get those two confused because there's a a a, re, a real band, like a pop band, and then the Wiggles, I believe, is the children's band. He recorded it with them too. But uh, yeah, Elvis Costello did play this on the Frasier show. All right, that's all I've got for you guys today. Um, of course, you can reach me with all of your um, kangaroo down timey kangaroo down um, trivia. Via email, kinksandbeats at herohabit.com or email or call me rather at 925-494-1739. Leave a voicemail and I'll play it on a future episode. And then, of course, you can find us on all the social medias. And uh, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you never miss a thing. All right. Thanks for uh, joining me today. Have a great day. Uh, stay safe out there.